Good morning, guys. Com Center Sports coming back at you once again here. Episode number 60. This is the big one. It is Thursday, February the 27th, 2020. And this, this is the Houston Astros episode. This is the one that we've been looking forward to for quite a while. With me, as always, my co-host, Ben Nisman. Benny, how you doing today, buddy? Doing good. Finally, going to get this off our backs, maybe for good. Um, haven't looked forward to the show at all. I'm going to give the floor to you to break it down chronologically, basically, and uh, we'll go from there on what our opinions are, how we feel about it, where we are going forward as this scandal that has become just a national, it has swept the nation, and now it, we're going to try to put it to bed here, and you can start us off, Joe, go ahead. Right. You know, this has been two weeks in the making, and I agree with you, Ben, this is this is going to put two it to weeks. bed. It's been two weeks since these press conferences that we're going to talk about, since these interviews that we're going to talk about. This will put it to bed unless something ridiculous comes out again. This is the last time you're going to hear about this, but I feel like it's really important that we do this show. So let's break this down. February 12th, 2020, the players all report to spring training, pitchers and catchers, and the players start filtering in. However, there's no opportunity for media to speak with anybody. They barricaded off the facilities and they kept media out. And I understand doing that. You want to get a PR representative in front of all of these guys and get them all on the same page. You agree with me on that? Yeah. For so far, we're in total agreement. They all need to know what's going on so they know how to handle it appropriately. Right. The only the only criticism I give is that it probably should have been done before FanFest when we saw Altuve and Bregman last before this, and they were giving those terrible statements. But right. if you're going to do it now, do it now. Fine. February 13th, that's the big day. All players report to camp. Everybody's in, in, in the facilities, ready to talk to the media. And we get the first time face-to-face -face with, with reporters and cameras, Jim Crane, the owner of the Houston Astros, Dusty Baker, the new manager of the Houston Astros, and we get statements from Jose Altuve, the 2017 MVP, and Alex Bregman. Let's start off with what Jim Crane was saying at this press conference, because there are so many contradictions and so much, and I hate to already start cursing on this show, but so much bullshit that it's hard to wade through. But here we go. Crane reads a statement that reads as the following. I want to say again how sorry our team is for what happened. I also want to repeat that this will never happen again on my watch. He's asked if he should be, if he should be held accountable since it happened under his watch. And he says, quote, no, I don't think I should be held accountable. I'm here to correct it. And I'm here to take this team forward. Let me pause there. Thoughts on that. Do you think Jim Crane as the owner should be held accountable for this? Not only do I think he should be accountable, I think he should insist that he should be held accountable. I think it just looks better for him, the image of the team, the organization, that say, this is on me. And he did to an extent, Joe, because he said the players should not be reprimanded because they weren't given the proper guidance. To an extent, I agree. Even though we can argue this was something that was more player um uh, player driven, player player created, more, dri more driven, not facilitated. Yeah. But I just say driven, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but um, so I will say that at least he says that. 
exactly. And the next few minutes of this of this press conference were some of the most ridiculous shit I ever watched in my life. So here we go. He's asked about the sign stealing affecting their playoff games in 2017 with the New York Yankees. And Jim Crane says, and I quote, listen, the Yankees had had a few comments out there. Our opinion is that it didn't impact the game. We had a good team. We won the World Series and we'll leave it at that. Before I tell you what he says 55 seconds later, let me get your thoughts on that statement alone. Well, there's arguments about when exactly the signs were used during the playoffs. I have no idea exactly when, neither do you, neither does the media. Um, the investigation did what they could to say, to prove it, that they did at some point. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, yes, of course it affected those games. Um, again, these are just, I mean, whatever happens 55 seconds after this comment, it may even be more brutal, but mm-hmm. so far it's just looking worse and worse. And as the owner, he's just, he's looking bad as being the image that he, they're trying to portray, you know, going forward, being a team that at least we can respect, you know, as an organization ever again. But, you know, if it's run by a guy that looks like a jackass, it looks even worse. Well, here's where he absolutely looks like the world's biggest jackass. 55 seconds later, he is asked a different question, and then a sec- the, the, the second question after this statement of it not impacting the game, somebody calls him on it and says, listen, he's asked if it didn't impact the game. His response is, I didn't say it didn't impact the game. Basically, as the commissioner said, it's hard to determine how it, how it impacted the game if it impacted the game. Within yeah. one minute, he says, well, our opinion is it didn't impact the game. And then when asked yeah. about it, says, I didn't say that. Yeah, you just double back. Yeah. That's where I put my head in my hands like I'm doing right now and go, you've got to be kidding me. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. He is pressed a third time and said, if it didn't impact the game, then what are you apologizing for? Because it's a valid question. If you don't think that this this whole sign-stealing scandal didn't impact any of the games that you played, well, then what are you apologizing for? And the statement he gives is, we're apologizing because we broke the rules. It could possibly have impacted the game, but it possibly could not. And that's where he cut the the statement off. They sort of closed it right there. But there are a couple of other questions I want to get to, but I wanted to lump these three statements together. Because... What are you? What, what is the? What is the statement from the Houston Astros about this? If the owner of the team says, "Well, we think it didn't impact the game," but I didn't say it didn't impact the game, and it might have, but it might not have. Where are you at? Where are you at? Yeah, it's just not to mention also that it closes up with something like when they ask, "Should there be something attached to your championship?" And he said something to effect, I'm really paraphrasing, but it's something like, well, we just, we won it and that's all there is to it. Right. Something like that. Just, you know, well, yep. you know, that's what happened. Yep. And like, okay, you just made yourself even more unlikable. 
mm-hmm. unless that's what he was trying to do. But he kind of made himself public enemy number one, or felt like it, because anyone that watched this, they know that to an extent, he's boss. He's you know final boss, you know basically of the Houston Astros, and this guy is double backing on his comments, acting smug about it, mm-hmm. and representing an entire franchise, an entire organization that's been around basically 62 mm-hmm. and just recently won a championship, has had so much success since 2015. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it does look bad, and he could have come more prepared than he was. Agreed. Agreed. And if this is the best that the PR department could do for him, that's a sad state of affairs. He's asked a few more questions during this during this press conference. He's asked about cheating. And he says, we don't endorse the actions that took place. We apologized. It's been tough on the team, the city, and the nation. The only thing we can do is sit here and say that we're sorry and move forward in a positive way. We'll be a positive force in delivering that message. Not a terrible statement, but in the context of all the other things that were going on in that, in that press conference, it just sort of falls flat. Yeah, and there is one bad thing that's said in that last part of the statement. The we'd like to move forward thing turns a lot of people off. Right. Because they don't get to choose when you we move forward. The fans, Major League Baseball, mm-hmm. whoever's involved, they get to choose when they've forgiven you. Right. And uh, right now, like, you making amends with it doesn't mean that the country... And the fans of Major League Baseball have. Right, right. Um, when he's asked about if it's cheating, he is asked, point blank, do you call it cheating? And his response is, we broke the rules. You can phrase that however you want. He won't even admit to saying that this was cheating. Yeah. That one I can't blame him for. Why? He said we broke the rules. Because it's just... It's like a politician's way of doing it, you know? It's just, no one's going to be as bold as Brody was when they say, oh, we're totally going to win the division. You know, general managers don't say that. Owners won't say we cheated. They'll say we broke the rules. I, I just, I if ever there's I can, a moment. I can understand why you have a problem with yeah. it. I'm just saying that. If I'm ever there's a moment where you can you can be bold and say, you know what? Let's just own this for what it was. Yes, the players and the team and the and the guys who were in charge, they cheated. Let's move forward. We're sorry. This will not happen again. We have removed the leadership that was around at that time. This is all we can do. Yes, yeah, they cheated. Yeah, the let's move forward thing again. I, I, yeah. I, it just bothers me. Right. Um, and, and actually, you know what's funny is that this scandal that's bothered a lot of people hasn't bothered me as much. Right. And we'll get into more of what good can come out of something like this. But at the same time, there's just one thing. It's the, the let's move forward. We'd like to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you guys knew what you were doing was dishonest. Right. So you're, you don't get this. It's almost it's like anything. Like if someone dropped something, if it was an accident, then yeah, of course, we can let it go. Right. But if it's something that you were intentionally doing, consistently knew you were doing wrong, and then got caught, mm-hmm. and then apologized, say, let's move forward, it's such a turnoff. Right, right. 
The final thing I'll hit on is both Dusty and uh, Jim Crane were asked about Carlos Beltran specifically because he was the only player that was on that team that was named in the report and he was named specifically in the Wall Street Journal about a week later as being the figurehead of this thing that was shooting down players who didn't like it. And right. they were asked, you know, what kind of a man is is Carlos Beltran? You know, you guys know him personally. Let me hear what your opinion is on this guy. Dusty Baker, the first time he speaks in this press conference is, you know, he, he says that he, everything he's heard about Carlos Beltran is disheartening. He says he's a fine man, a Christian man. He doesn't know if all of these things are true or not, but he wants to put all of this behind them. That's about as good as Dusty Baker can do. And it's going to be difficult for Dusty Baker to take the reins here and not have messages like that of, look, this is what I know about this guy. I don't know if it's true or not, but we need to move forward. He's the only one that gets to say yes. we like to move forward. And it's, we're going to hear it a lot. Yes. Because almost everyone gets to say, let's move forward. Right. But he's the one guy who is put in the situation. Nothing to do with anything that's happened in the last couple of years. So he handled it as good as he could have. You know, just try to put it to bed, answer what they need to, give them what they need to hear. Right. You know, and then just, let's move on. I have a job to do. Right. Jim Crane followed him up with a statement of, you know, Carlos was a great player. He had a great career. He uh, he feels sorry for him because of everything that happened after the fact, being named the Mets manager and then having to step down. And follows it and finishes the, the, the statement off with, Carlos was named in the commissioner's investigation, so it must be accurate. And that kind of must be the Bible by which all of the Astros players, front office, Everybody in that organization is living by. Look, whatever that whatever that commissioner's report says is law. So that's what that's what Crane had to say on Carlos, and that's where I'll leave that particular portion of this press conference. You know, it, it was a shit show. Jim Crane looks like a clown, and Dusty Baker has to pick up the pieces and move forward. It's about all we've got. The next face we see is Alex Bregman, and he comes forward and makes one of the most robotic politician-style statements I've ever seen in my life. He has his hands in like a spider the entire time and is talking with his hands jumping back and forth while he talks like this all the time. And this is his direct monotone statement. I'm really sorry about the choices made by my team, my organization, and me. I hope to regain the trust of baseball fans. I would also like to thank the Astros fans for their support. We as a team are totally focused in moving forward to the 2020 season. Thank you. That's his whole statement. Thoughts? It was really quick, mm -hmm. which you can argue whether being terse is a good or a bad thing, but... Again, it's unusual that it's him and it's Altuve. Why those two specifically? Um, I, just a, it's so inappropriate and uh, unexpected, and I don't know. I'm, I have no idea. Yeah, I just it's it. I was confused when it happened. Mm -hmm. I think I think because Altuve is the 2017 MVP of that World Series 
team and Bregman is kind of the face of the franchise and the outspoken one on the team and has been in the past. I think those are why those two guys were selected for this. Um, okay. But as far as, as far as Bregman's statement, I wonder if it's that or it's because of involvement and they all know, I, I just, maybe it's so random. Doesn't it feel random? Altuve. No. was on all those teams. Altuve does not feel random. Altuve is very, very selected for a reason, and that's because he was the MVP in seventeen. Bregman, okay. yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's random, but I think it's, you know, he might be the, he might be the de facto captain of this team. You know, he's definitely okay. a, a big, okay. a big piece on this Fine. team. Like I, you know, um, Altuve makes a statement, and his statement is the whole Astros organization and the team feels bad about what happened in twenty seventeen. We especially feel remorse for the impact on the fans and the game of baseball, and our team is determined to move forward to play with intensity and bring back a championship to Houston in 2020. Thoughts on that statement? It's just another awkward statement. Really quick. Got to hear the let's move forward. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just everything about it is uncomfortable, and I think it all starts with the fact that it, it a, it's a press conference about it that was practically impromptu and that it was so brief and it didn't feel like there was any sympathy or empathy or anything behind it. Right. You know, it just felt like it was homogenized. It was prepared. It felt procedure. Yeah. It, It just felt like something that was written by a guy in their PR department. Like here, go read this. You know, after no, this press conference, though, the is the worst way they could have handled it. Right. After the press conference, though, that's where things got interesting because media was able to go into the clubhouse after practice and talk to some more players. And we, we heard from George Springer. We heard from Justin Verlander. We heard from Josh Reddick. We heard from a lot of guys. But there's one guy that I want to give credit to only on this day, but I want to give credit to him because there's one guy who coming into that day looked bad, and came out of that day looking better than he did going into it. And that's Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa was speaking to reporters, and somebody asked him about the buzzer situation. And Correa owned up to it, and he spoke very, very candidly. He said, and I quote, Nobody wore buzzers. Nobody wore devices. That story should be killed already. We know for sure, for a fact, 100% as a team, if I'm lying here, I'll lose credibility. It's straight up false. Nobody wore anything. In 2018, in 2019, nothing. 2017, nobody wore devices either. Carlos Correa is putting his entire reputation on the line that either A, it absolutely did not happen, or B, nobody will ever, ever find out. And my feeling is... It's, it, I, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, someone could defend an argument so much like A.J. Hinch did, and then you get caught, and then you say, oh, you know what I mean? I was lying. So him defending it to the death, basically, or his credibility, whatever it is, um, it might only mean so much to so many people. It seems very authentic. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he was being honest. When he says the story about devices should be killed already, and like we said, there's not any proof about buzzers yet. 
not real proof. Mm-hmm. A lot of people on social media blowing things up. But even still, I mean, to at least hear from some of these guys, like a Verlander and Reddick, I don't know about how you feel, but you kind of feel like I, I'm on the same level with this as I am with steroids. And we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like I feel a little gross, like you feel cheated in a way when you hear Verlander being like, yep, this is happening, right? It was like, yep, this is happening. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, the admission. Like the admissions to it are actually, it makes you feel more uncomfortable about it. Because at least when it was being denied, when there was the, you know, allegations and you had John Boy who did all the great research and AJ Hinch is just saying, you know, this is just people that are being ridiculous on social media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, uh, you know, I don't know if he, you know, defended his, you know, honor and said, I'll, you know, risk my entire credibility on it. But to some extent, he did make some kind of comment mm-hmm. defending a lie. So even still, you know, someone can defend things forever. And then when they're caught about it, as long as they're not going to be in really legal trouble, mm-hmm. it's not like they're doing anything too bad. It's not like if they end up do finding buzzers, Correa is not going to jail. True. Very true. Um, George Springer, the 2017 World Series MVP, also denied the buzzers, saying, quote, absolutely not. They did not use them. Justin Verlander was asked about it. He said, I'm in that locker room. I see guys after the game, before the game, dressing and undressing. Never saw anything like that. So, you know, they're they're categorically denying these claims. And unless a an equipment manager or a disgruntled, you know, uh, Ball boy comes out former, like former, yeah, or a former teammate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The one, the one player that I have not heard from that I really want to, and and especially with the Wall Street Journal article that came out as well, talking about Beltron and how he shot down players from from stopping this whole thing. There's one guy I really want to hear from that we haven't yet. That's Brian McCann. But that's another that's another topic for another time. Like. Just knowing Brian McCann's reputation, I want to hear what this man has to say. But we move on. We move on to February the 14th, Valentine's Day. And this is when the rest of the league and the players in this league get to respond to all of this. And they're asked questions about how do you feel about what happened yesterday over in over at uh, Houston's facilities. And I've got three quotes here. I'm only going to quote one because... Ultimately, it's the big sticking point, and that's reigning NL MVP Cody Bellinger. He's asked about this this press conference, and again, let's not forget, Bellinger's team lost to the Astros in that 2017 World Series. So he was there, he saw it firsthand. His statement about the, the press conference in general, he goes, and I quote, I thought the apologies were whatever. I thought Jim Cranes was weak. I thought Rob Manfred's punishment was weak, giving the players immunity. Those guys were cheating for three years. I think what people don't don't realize is that Altuve stole the MVP from Judge in 2017, and everybody knows they stole a ring from us, but it's over. Thoughts? Well, firstly, the fact that he brings up Judge's name and that something like that, you know that he's showing how important his MVP was to him, huh? Mm-hmm. Because awards and accolades in this sport are important. It mm-hmm. does make stars in our sport. Right. It does bring up conversations about 
going to Cooperstown or you know, is this guy a first-round pick in fantasy, things like that. So um, I respect the fact that he had the gumption to talk about, just like a lot of these players, just like, you know, and we'll get into it more later about a guy like Mike Byers, like what courage that takes. Yes. But something like this, you know, when he has, he's stepping up, he's stepping up for his team also, mm-hmm. you know, so um, he's got to play leader in the locker room to an extent, and that's kind of what he's doing as well, because everyone, you know, even if Cody Bellinger didn't even necessarily think this, you know, if he even was like, you know what, they beat us, I'd rather just worry about 2020, my season, yeah. what we got to do as a team to get back there. Oh, yeah, he totally could have sidestepped the question and nobody would have batted an eye about it. But Right, right. Um, the next well, day, this, February... Just to, just to close out what you're saying. Sure. Um, in, if I'm him, um, I'm probably doing something a little bit more on the down low, being like, look, it happened, we all know it happened, but there's nothing we can do about it now. We mm-hmm. just gotta, I gotta worry about how, what our team can do to get back there. Right. Instead, he spoke about what his real opinion was mm-hmm. and how he really felt about the game. So, you know he meant it, you know he's pissed, but, again, what can you really do? Um, and we'll get, when you talk about, when we get to Bob Manfred, it's going to be a whole other conversation that we got to get into. I am, I am That's sure. That's when it really starts to get sticky. Right, right. But first we have to get to Carlos Correa again, and, again, when he spoke on the 13th, I was, I was impressed, I was happy with what he had to say, I appreciated the the candid nature of his comments february 15th he comes out and has an interview with simply ken rosenthal and responds quite strongly to cody bellinger's statements um the problem i'll quote here the problem i have is when players go out there and they don't know the facts they're not informed about the situation and they go out there on on camera and just talk with me that doesn't seem right it just doesn't seem right at all so when Bellinger talks about that we cheated for three years, he doesn't know how to read. He doesn't know how to how to read, or is really bad at reading comprehension, or is just not informed at all. The commissioner's report clearly says that those activities were conducted in 2017, 2018, nothing happened, 2019, nothing happened. It was just talented players playing the game of baseball with passion and winning ball games. So when I look at those comments, it's not true. Um, thoughts there? Categorically denying that they cheated in 18 and 19. Sticking by what he said the day before. Yep. Whenever it was, when he spoke in the clubhouse. So, I mean, until there's proof, like you said, if someone like an equipment manager, someone that used to be on the team, mm-hmm. someone comes out with it, it's, you know, it's, it's useless at this point because the investigation was done. And, you know, Tuve said in the clubhouse, look, the, you know, NLB did a thorough investigation. So if you're not trusting what I say at this point, then you're not trusting MLB's investigation also. So, you know, in other words, go to them. Start yelling at Major mm-hmm. League Baseball because they investigated the hell out of us and they found nothing for that time, but they did get it for 2017. Right. The next little bit of the interview involves Carlos Correa defending Jose Altuve and the claim that Cody Bellinger made that he stole the MVP from Aaron Judge. Um, so we move forward and, and Correa says, Jose Altuve cheated Judge out of the MVP. The 
Cody, you don't know the facts. Nobody wants to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about this. Jose Altuve was the one guy that didn't use the trash can. The few times that the trash can was banged was without his consent, and he would go inside the clubhouse, inside the dugout to whoever was banging their trash can, and he would get pissed. He would get mad. He would say, I don't want this. I can't hit like this. Don't you, don't you do that to me. He played the game clean. And so I ask this question to you, Ben. If Carlos Correa claims that Jose Altuve in the 2017 season did not use the trash can, why didn't Jose Altuve say that? Right. So this is where, you know, some people would say that silence is an admission of guilt. Mm -hmm. And others will say silence is because he doesn't have to prove anything to anyone anymore. And no matter what he says, no one's going to believe him anyway. So what's the point? So that's the question I have to you. Is it an admission of guilt? Or is it just that it doesn't really matter what he says anyway? I'll put it this way. Even if you're not going to be believed, I would much rather you come out and say something like that and put your name to it and have your teammates back you up on it. Because Carlos Correa is going out on a limb for him. And, right. you know, I would I would love to hear Altuve say something like that in his prepared statement. Mm-hmm. And there's always so many, there's already a couple of double backs happening, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's saying, he's stepping up and apologizing. And then if he says, yeah, what Correa said was right, well, then what did you apologize for to begin with? Right. Or saying that, hey, I can't, I didn't want my uniform taken off because my wife will get mad at me. And then later on, there's a tattoo story. Right. And we'll get so, to that like, one here this, in just a second. There's all this, yeah, you said one thing, now you're saying another thing. Right. So it might just be a matter of that. It's like, you know what? I've already talked so much. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I appreciate that Correa is stepping up and wearing it for me, but at the same time, you know, I can't continue to talk enough already. Yeah. All right. We'll get to what I you... I mean, t- look, it's, it's just a devil's advocate. Play, mm-hmm. you know? No, I hear you. I hear you. And, and you know what? Like, there there are people making that argument for for, Al, for Altuve and Correa here. You know, there's there's something to be said there. Um, uh, I can appreciate the argument that you're making playing devil's advocate. I personally would just have liked to see... If Correa is going to come out and say things like this, I would want to have heard it from Jose Altuve as well. And we still haven't, right? These are not things that Jose Altuve is coming out and saying, listen, Correa's right. I really didn't use these things. And we're not seeing that. But the one big thing that that came out of this, uh, I mean, one, there's quite a few at this point, but the final big thing that came out of this interview with Ken Rosenthal, he's asked about the buzzers in 2019. And he goes... Nobody wore buzzers. That's a lie. The reason Altuve didn't want to get his shirt ripped off, I'm going to tell you. Earlier in the year, he hit a walk-off at Minute Maid Park, and I ripped his shirt off with Tony Kemp. There are pictures of that. Go ahead and look right here. I have one. You can go look at it. I ripped his shirt off, and, and his wife told me, why is Carlos ripping Altuve's shirt? I don't like that. So when he's running home from third base to home plate... I'm the guy up front, Carlo, uh, Correa says. I'm the first one waiting for him. And he's like, don't rip my shirt off. The second reason he doesn't want me to talk about this, but I'm going to say it, 
is because he's got an unfinished tattoo on his collarbone that honestly looked terrible. It was a bad tattoo, and he didn't want anybody to see it. He didn't want to show it at all. Thoughts? Okay. It's, it seems far-fetched, but mm-hmm. is it completely possible that it's true? As somebody with plenty of tattoos, I can understand that if you got a botched job, you probably don't want anybody seeing that until you get it fixed. So I can relate to that if it's accurate. The funny thing about this is a couple of days later, Altuve walked out onto the field in front of a whole bunch of reporters, took his shirt off, turned around, and put another shirt on. And he most certainly had a tattoo over his collarbone. And it was of his daughter's name. So something to be said there. Okay. So when you are, you can personally vouch for the fact that someone that I've never had a tattoo. I mean, mm. you have and could vouch for, you know, if someone else that you know that, did, you know, if there was a botched job, there is an embarrassment there. Yeah. Not to mention as well. He is defending the argument with his wife, you know, and what Altuve said immediately after he hit the bomb. So can you potentially, can you Joe? Yes maybe say that the whole thing with the buzzers with 2019 is it possibly more blown up or does the media have it right i'm willing to believe that it is a rumor that has circulated around mlb and got built up and built up and bubbled up and it hit the media and everybody was like well yeah this has to be a thing i'm willing to believe that the whole thing is fabricated i just don't know because If you're capable of setting up a camera with a feed and a trash can with a guy, you're probably capable of doing something else, too. So We can't be that naive. You're absolutely right. Right. But until there's some sort of proof, you have to go by innocent until proven guilty. You know, I can't can't say that it absolutely happened. There's no evidence of it. And nothing has come back to say that it has. Kevin threw a horrible pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two sliders in a row right over the middle of the plate. Like, eventually, right. a good hitter like like Altuve is going to catch him. Um, Correa then goes into a long-winded breakdown of the 2017 World Series. I'm not going to do that. The main point is that he says that they weren't capable of stealing signs because in that high pressure a game, the Dodgers had very, very complex signs and they weren't able to get the to get the, the squeeze on it. Take it for what it is. Whether that's true or not, we'll never really know, but it is what it is. But what he does say, and I will quote him here, is he goes after Cody Bellinger again. And he says, when you look at the World Series, they left so many guys on base in Game 7 throughout the whole World Series. Cody didn't have a good World Series. He went four for 28. For him to be talking about us stealing that championship, don't talk about it. You should not be talking about it. You should have done something about it. When you analyze the games, we won fair and square. We earned that championship. Thoughts? Well, it's just a question of what you think and what how much happened during the World Series. Again, we don't know to the extent in which playoff series or what. Mm-hmm. Is he defending it because he says, regardless of whether we hit the trash can or not, 99% of the time, we were kicking your butt. Mm-hmm. 
So, I mean, I don't know. I just, all the Twitter back and forth, it just seems like it's high school again. Instead of, you know, again, the silence is an admission of guilt in this day and age, Joe. Mm -hmm. And it's just a shame that, you know, if people don't speak up, then it's like, oh, he's not saying anything. Obviously, that's what happened. Right. You know, instead of, it it just sucks. It sucks to be in this, I'm sorry, I'm kind of getting off on tangent because it's Mm -hmm. one thing that I really can't stand about social media in general, about how things get blown up and how you can get a following so easily behind you without facts just because someone could say, see, this person isn't talking, see what this means. Mm -hmm. And then it just gets out of hand after a while. I'm not defending what they did at all. I'm just saying that it can get put to bed if, you know, all the fabricating doesn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can agree that social media and media in general have blown this story to the moon. And in a way, we wouldn't even have this story without the media looking into this, without Ken Rosenthal and his partner uh, Drellich getting into this thing as deep as they did. So credit where it's due. The social media aspect of this and then the, 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 the internet detectives trying to find somebody wearing a wire and only finding a guy with confetti on him, like that's, you know, that's where, that's where the ridiculousness lies. Yeah, and it gets yeah, it, and it gets ridiculous because people still buy into the confetti. Exactly. You know, exactly. and it's just that's enough for them, and you can get enough of a following behind it mm. that people look more guilty than they actually are. Right. Right. All right. We move on to the final day that I'm going to cover here, February the 16th. So the next day, we have a press conference with Rob Manfred. Did anybody watch that press conference? Oh no, you didn't. You know why you didn't? Because MLB Network didn't feel the need to interrupt such an important program as a 1988 movie of Bull Durham. Benji, help me out here, man. This is one of the this is one of the most important important scandals in the history of baseball. And the commissioner is going to come out after hearing what the Astros players and owner have said to the media in response to all of this and the apologies that have gone down. And during all of the the criticism that he's gotten for how he handled it, and you your network for your league cannot interrupt a twenty two year old movie. I'm sorry, thirty two thirty two year old movie. Susan Sarandon having Tim Robbins tied up or something like that is on the TV screen instead of Bob Manfred. I mean, come on, guys. There's got to be... Well... How is there not, like, one dude, one intern in a suit in the in the studio just sitting there and he gets paid or doesn't get paid as an intern to sit there and wait? And just wait. And if something big happens, right. they cut into whatever's going on. Uh, yes, this is, uh, this is John Smithington here. Uh, we are getting news that... Uh, we, we are getting news that the that the commissioner of baseball is about to have a, a press conference. We are currently trying to get yeah. some analysts on the phone so that they can break down what is about to be said. But we throw it to uh, Bob Smithington, my brother, down at the down at the press conference. Bob, like he, it's not rocket science. You no, can't. Someone you know, screwed up down there. I I don't. I really don't think that this is something like where um, Manfred made sure that the network couldn't, you know, display this, uh, you know, air this. 
I don't right. think that's something because I do remember when the when the um when MLB first came on the air, it was when uh, the A Rod um, allegations and the Mitchell report and all that thing was mm-hmm. happening. Mm-hmm. You know, so they had to get into it real quickly, and it was very um, clear in the beginning that they weren't going to censor themselves to protect Major League Baseball or to protect um, the commissioner or anything like that. So um, this just might be like a bad producer not doing his job. That's my guess. Anyway, in this press conference, um, directed and, and Manfred said said a bunch of things, but the 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 three things I'm going to hit on here first is his smugness. Ben, I'm gonna love to hear your response to this. Directed to Jared Diamond, who is a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, and he's the guy who broke the Astros the part of this story as far as the code breaker operation. This is the part of the of the cheating scandal where they were able to input the signs that were given by the catcher into a computer and it would spit out in an algorithm what the pitch is going to be based on those signs they found the it found the pattern he says and i quote you know congratulations you got a private letter that you know i sent to a club official nice reporting on your part manfred what on earth are you doing to a reporter He's doing his job. Right. No, I agree. It's, it's, it's exactly, it's almost like telling a film, a, you know, an actor being like, what the hell with this film critic? You know, what gives him the right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Just the, the arrogance and the smugness that came from that statement alone. And yeah, okay. No, he's handled, let me tell you something. Manfred has handled this whole thing like garbage. And he's not had, done. He's had so many opportunities to do it better. Mm-hmm. At least they got something out of them with 2017. But it all started with being able to give the players immunity. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was necessarily the only solution. Well, let me let me talk about that for a moment because he was asked about giving the players immunity, and he said, and I quote: "I think in my own mind, it's hard for me to figure out why they would tell us, given that they were immune." why they would be truthful to admit that what they did wrong in 2017, admit what they did wrong in 2018, and then lie about what's going on in 2019. Thoughts on that statement? I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily agree with him. Mm. I just, I think if you reprimand them all the same, you might still get all the answers that you want. Right, right. The one thing that came out of this, out of this, uh, press conference and it was the biggest sticking point where Manfred had to come back out and apologize was he was asked about the Astros having to vacate the 2017 World Series and his quote was and I quote the idea of an asterisk or asking for a piece of metal back seems like a futile act the championship that the Major League Baseball team wins at the end of the World Series is the commissioner's trophy and the yeah. commissioner and just it called to that be made of metal. It, it is, and he just called it a piece of metal. Okay, that yeah. Mm. Why don't you diminish what your whole entire entire sport stands for, exactly. and the whole point after seven months 
and all the work that you do, even more if you include spring training mm-hmm. and all the scouting that goes on, um, that's what it is to you. Okay. Finally, he also said that he met with managers to inform them that retaliatory bean balls would not be tolerated. Um, that was allegedly not in response to this particular situation, but just in general. I just find the timing interesting. Okay. There you well, go. That's, that's, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Yeah. I think that this opens a good discussion. Yeah. So, although um, the piece of metal comment was stupid, um, it, it makes him look even worse. Uh, one thing I will agree with with Part of what he's trying to say is that giving back a championship or putting an asterisk or anything like this does not help at all. And that I agree with Joe. So let's go there for a second. Because I brought up earlier that I liken this to something like steroids, okay? And someone will say you're an idiot. It's one team versus just a player or two on a team. When they're doing stars, okay, fine, good point. However, I will argue that no matter what, and this happens in every sport and many endeavors in life, is that one thing affects the other. Mm. So don't stand there and tell me that the Yankees are definitely winning the 2009 World Series if A-Rod isn't playing out of his mind getting game-tying hits off and game-tying home runs off Nathan and Frieri during those playoffs Mm -hmm. when we all know that he was clearly on the juice and that's part of the reason why they won. And he definitely won them games because of the impact that he was having because he was doing something like cheating. Mm -hmm. So when you want to say that one thing affects the sport, and, you know, you got to put an asterisk and take it away. Okay, then let's just take away every single championship since probably 1995, 96 yeah. maybe. Yeah. Maybe even earlier, the 80s, you want to throw in how humongous McGuire and Canseco were in 1989. Do you want to go back that far? Mm-hmm. Because I will. You know, um, sign stealing has been going on for a really, really long time. To this extent, no, sure. But... At the same time, there's been a lot that has impacted the games in during the season in October that has changed the result and changed the end of the story. Yep. So this is just something something to me that happened. We'll always remember it. It's already taken from them in many people's minds. And anytime you look through the almanac and you see that the 2017 champions were the Houston Astros, it'll be up to you to tell the other generations what happened and the true story but we don't need that little star next to their name or anything or we got to do it across the board right right we don't need to have vacate vacant championship in 2017 there's a story to be told here and yes when we look back on this generation of of baseball from call it 2000 and call it from 2000 on right you look at the year 2004 when the Red Sox broke the curse, well, they had Manny Ramirez on that team. They had David Ortiz yeah. on that team. 
And they had yeah. a, they had a lot of guys on that team that may or may not used, but at least we know Manny Ramirez and David Ortiz popped hot. You know, you want to move forward to the 2005 World Series. You know, you can find a guy on every single team, whether of it's course. you know whether it's AJ Przinsky and the story about him as a person, or uh, Jeff Bagwell and whether or not he did, despite making the Hall of Fame. You know, Roger right. Clemens on the other side of that of that World Series as well, and Andy Pettit and all the Yankees ones. Yeah, yeah. There's just so many guys you can point to. There are stories right. to be told here. And this will be right. our job to tell the next generation what happened here. Right. I think you and I are both on board in saying that just because it's a whole team versus when it's a steroid situation, it's just a one guy, that it's not, it's not as impactful as something like this going on, some garbage cans being hit. It's all impactful. Right. Every part of the cheating affects one, two, three, or a hundred games. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the story of the 2017, 2018, and 2019 Astros. Some of it's right. still... And the, and the some 2020 offseason. Yeah, some right. of it's going to be that we'll never really know. And some of it is actually fact. Yes, the Astros cheated. The Astros were banging a trash can in their, in their, in their fucking dugout to let them know what pitch is coming. That's a fact. It happened. And they won the World Series that year. And Jose Altuve won the MVP. Draw from that what you want, but those are the facts. And right. we're putting the bow on it, Benny. This has been, yeah, this so has been a crazy offseason. I'll go for it. Yeah, I was going to say, where does this put baseball going forward? I mean, you can argue that as disappointing and that this is a, a dark cloud on the sport, there's always a silver lining, right? There's always something that can come out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's just that it might get fans hungrier in those home teams that, you know, when the Astros are visiting, all those different signs. Mm-hmm. I know you're licking your chops when you're going to be going to see the Angels play them. Yep. So little things like that, that just makes it more intriguing. They become a fascinating story. They become one of the stories, if not the main story, going into the 2020 season. So if anything, you got to look at the fact that whatever we did, we can reprimand them. We can argue. And it's one more thing that maybe we should say about what the players should be reprimanded or not reprimanded or what not. But uh, one thing that we can say is that there is good that comes out of this. The one thing I'll say is that baseball is more popular when there's one of two things, either a hero or a villain. So you look back in the late 90s, what brought people back to baseball were heroes. Now we know what those heroes became by the steroids scandal. But at the time, Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, Ken Griffey Jr., guys of that that generation who were bombing home runs left and right, they were heroes. And we tuned in to watch heroes. On the other side of the coin, Baseball is good when there's a villain. The evil Empire Yankees of that same era and that same, and then the years afterwards where they were buying every free agent humanly possible to try to get a World Series and eventually did in 2009. They've been the villain before. And now here we are in 2020 and we've got a villain. 
You've got a villain to hate for all this year. And if they go out and they play amazing baseball and they win 100 games, well, then they're going to October. And you're going to hate them there, too. You're going to root for whoever they're up against in the postseason. You're going to root for whoever they are up against in May. And I know for a fact, come April 2nd, I will be in Los Angeles at the home opener of the Los Angeles Angels booing the shit out of the Houston Astros and rooting for Mike Trout, a hero. That's all I got. Guys. It's that- great. I mean, it's 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 uh, what it's all about, man. Just having a reason to support or boo. Whatever. I mean, you want to boo, boo. Like, if it brings people... To the to the to uh, to the field, then absolutely. I mean, it's just it, at some point or another, um, Bregman, Springer, Altuve, maybe they're not on the Astros, and you can still boo them when they're on other teams. Mm-hmm. So, like for the rest of their careers, they'll have something attached to them, and no matter what. The asterisk is, in many people's minds, already there in the record book. Sure. And their opinions about those player stats, you can never ne- necessarily look at them the same way. Which is a heartbreaker for someone like me, who just loves the authenticity and knowing what exactly the numbers are supposed to be. We'll never know necessarily what some of these guys' numbers will truly be, and how great they will be, had they tarnished themselves from ever being a possible candidate for being in Cooperstown, mm-hmm. being a Hall of Famer, it's possible that that's it for all of them, including maybe a guy like Verlander. So part of that is very sad, but I'm just hoping that in the end, you know, the reason to go to the field to see these guys play, that's something to be said. And like you said, to have the villain, the villain is the Houston Astros and the players on it. So maybe if that brings more money to Major League Baseball as a result, there was something that was good in all of this. Sure. And this is the season for a hero to rise up. Or a group of heroes to rise up. So, I'm rooting for a team to take them down this year. I'm rooting for a team like the like like the uh, Los Angeles Angels or the Oakland A's to take them down and win that division. I'm rooting for it. I hope it happens. Right. I don't know if it will. Even their arrivals with uh, the Texas Rangers, the new ballpark, sure. I mean, something like that. I mean, those Texas Rangers fans, they're just going to be rabid, I would think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guys, this has been an unbelievable show. Benny, thank you so much for being here with me. Uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to talking about something else finally. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to get back into spring baseball and actual things that are happening on the field next time. Until then... If you're listening to us on any one of the streaming platforms that our audio is on, thank you so much for being here. Share this with every baseball fan you know, because at the end of the day, this is history. And this is exactly why we do this show. For those of you watching on YouTube, thank you again for being here. Go ahead and give us a uh, subscription. That button's going to be right about here. And check out our last episode. In fact, check out our last two episodes. They're both about Luis Severino's injury and the New York Yankees coming into the 2020 season. Maybe they could be the heroes. Who knows? But that one's going to be right over here. Once again, thank you guys for being here. Until next time, it's been real, it's been fun, and it's always real fun in the bigs. We'll see you next time.